0: Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NC I'm Stacia Harris, a member of the NC Media Team, and I'm the Director of Communications for Buncombe County Schools.
1: And I'm Molly McGowan-Gorsuch. I am the Public Information Officer for Henderson County Public Schools and also a proud NC State Coordinator and K-12 PR Well Advocate.
0: Welcome back to the show, Molly. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. It's sort of a part two to a podcast that we recorded and released one year ago as our school systems were navigating those difficult decisions about how to reopen during a pandemic. And I'll link that show in the notes below. We spoke to Krista Majette, APR, and co-founder of the National Conversation on Workplace Wellbeing for School PR Pros, now known as K-12 PR Well. We had a great discussion about how school PR practitioners can protect their own mental health while dealing with an unimaginable level of stress and uncertainty related to our jobs.
1: Today, we're chatting with Kristen again, alongside her colleague, Sean McKillop. Sean and Kristen have both been instrumental in fostering an environment where school PR professionals can discuss mental health, wellness, and work-life balance to learn from each other and also to work together to prevent burnout. When Sean is not advocating for mental health, he's the Manager of Communications and Community Engagement in the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board in Ontario. Sean McKillop, APR, has been in school PR for about 15 years now, working with the province of Ontario's Minister of Education and working in two school districts. Supporting mental health efforts at school, for kids and staff, and especially helping people find their pathway to care are always at the forefront of any of his communications. Kristen is also a veteran of the school PR profession. She's based in Kansas, where she served her local school district for 12 and a half years. She now works as a communications strategist with CEL Marketing PR Design, supporting school districts and other community-centered organizations.
0: We've got a great conversation for you as we take a deeper dive into the challenges currently facing school PR practitioners and what we can all do to cope and thrive. Let's start the show. Sean McKillop, welcome to School PR Drive Time, and Krista majette welcome back. So, to start us off, guys, tell us a little bit about how you both came to be so involved in this concept of K twelve PR. Well,
2: gosh, well, it's great to be here. Um, you know, Sean and I have been friends for several years, and it was a phone call uh, back in 2018. I think, Sean, you were driving home from a long, busy week at work, and um, we just got to chatting about life like we do with our school PR friends and, you know, noticed that we were both, I don't know, Sean, super stressed out.
3: (laughs) A little depleted.
2: (laughs) Yeah, depleted is a good word. And, you know, the more we chatted, the more uh, we realized, like, I wonder if other people might be feeling like this um, maybe struggling with the same, uh, stress or demands and, 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 depletion of working in the profession. And honestly, in the last three years or almost four years, um, it's only grown from there. We just, you know, we keep learning, listening and trying to help as many people as we can. Um, and, uh, you know, it was about a year ago that we found a professional home, Um, for our conversation, it had been two volunteers kind of cobbling up together in between busy jobs and, uh, busy lives, Sean and I, um, but we were able to find a home at, uh, the CEL team, uh, where I work, um, has adopted us. And so we get a lot of, uh, we have a team supporting us now, which is wonderful.
3: I think that there was a lot of um, uh, momentum in this in this in this moment that we became sort of K-12 PR well and it started for me working a lot uh, and very closely with um, our social workers Um, and you know there was a real long time frame of just crisis after crisis issue after issue and it just you know one Friday night my wife's looking at me I'm staring at the blank wall and she's saying are you okay? And I said, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But working with social workers, you know, and and they were giving language like vicarious trauma and compassion fatigue. And that's kind of when I started to tap into something that I was like, hmm. and talking with Kristen, you know, we really started to formulate something that was a lot bigger. And what we've realized over the years, it has become what it has become Um, And I do uh, credit a lot of that work with the social workers that that kind of gave me that language um, and really the courage to be able to have these vulnerable conversations with Kristen. And then together, we just sort of created um, this. this, We're we're really champions for this for this cause, for our our profession.
1: Sean, you mentioned some um, really important words that I think we've all started to understand throughout the last almost two years now Um, because the last time we spoke with Kristen, we were still early in a pandemic response, which was new to everyone. Um, Now fast forward a year, and at times it feels like we've started it all over again. Um, But in a lot of ways, we've moved to recovery mode. For you guys, how do you perceive where we are now?
3: Absolutely. We really said that there was a a crisis in wellness before the pandemic. Uh, And then during the pandemic, it just only amplified Everything that we were going through, um, it was a huge disruption period for us, um, and it really opened our eyes wider to the real uh, issues that we were facing. And you know, it, it 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 allowed us to have a greater platform in sharing this message uh, with our school PR colleagues. Uh, so before the pandemic, you know, we were really experiencing all the things that we as school PR professionals experience. We are the shock absorbers of. Our um, of our districts, of our communities. When something happens to our neighborhoods, uh, to our school communities, we feel it, and we need to be there to support them and to support the leaders who are who are in turn helping and supporting them. So um, during the pandemic, you know, we often talked about just some of those uh, pieces that really um, uh, came to the forefront. Um, you know, we really saw uh, divisiveness come forward. We saw, um, marginalized communities being uh, disproportionately impacted by, by what uh, was happening. And you know we really elevated our standards of communication to such, I would say, um, we performed so much and it was at a level of not just perfection, it was just breaking all boundaries to push forward, to give our communities that communication that they so desperately needed. Um, During such a time of of crisis that we're still in and we're still in it as 22 months have gone by. So there are some really great lessons that we have learned before the pandemic and certainly during the pandemic uh, and we can definitely talk about uh, that recovery piece um, uh, as well.
0: I guess that leads into Sean, let's talk about um, recovery tips for recovery. And I do want to lead into um, why, why we wanted to talk to you guys. Uh, what is what are some recommendations to uh, maintain our wellness as we kind of continue on this uh, roller coaster, but Sean good uh, continue on with your thought about recovery.
3: Sure, I'll I'll give a quick overview of um, just where we're at in terms of the four areas of our K-12 peer well, and then I'll I'll ask Kristen to kind of unpack a little bit more of that trauma-informed piece that we we really need to talk about. So when we look at K-12 peer well during the pandemic or even before, we're looking at how we operate. Uh, in in three areas. We need to take care of our of ourselves and self-care. And so we talk, call that the personal habits. You know, we need to remi- remember to eat and sleep and get rest. And we need to also uh, recognize that rest and sleep are two different things. So when we're operating at this high caliber uh, uh, speed, we need to make sure that we're taking good care of ourselves. We need to uh, be active when we need to be active. We need to remember to take care of our mental health and we need to be connected with others so that we don't um, have that isolation that we, we can feel sometimes. The other area is just making sure that we're working on protecting our boundaries and that we do, even in light of this crisis mode that we have been in, that we are still maintaining positive boundaries so that we can be there for not only for our work, for our school communities, but also for the loved ones in our life and our families. And then the third area that I really feel is a really strong part of the recovery is just going back to the principles of school PR, especially, you know, anybody who is an APR or anybody who's pursuing that knows that we have four-step process, we know how to be strategic, and certainly all school PR professionals need to think strategically. But to have that foresight to be able to see ahead and to ground ourselves in what we can accomplish... So that we can recover but do things well and come back to a place of effective communications while we're still operating in this recovery mode?
2: You know, I think one of the most important things to think about right now, we're, you know, almost two full, full years in. We are in the third year, halfway through the third year that's impacted by the pandemic. Um, and I actually did a little bit of research because I had read something at some point about how long it's gonna take our communities to recover mental health and mental well-being. Um, how long this is gonna affect us. And I had read something um, that made it a matter of, of, I don't know, 10 months or five years or something. And as I did this research uh, about a month ago, I actually stumbled on a quote from a psychiatrist who deals with trauma and trauma recovery. Um, And his quote was, it will take us generations to get past this. And what that said to me, I have a 16 year old and a 12 year old, their children and their children's children will still be grappling with what our communities um, have experienced in the last two years. And I think that's really important to think about. So right now we're still in the, we're still, we're we're surging where I am too. Actually, my husband is a teacher and was administering COVID tests after school yesterday um, and sending people home with positive results (laughs) after school. He's, you know, that's where we are right now. Um, And, but you know, if we were to think about like, let's say just a really um, easy to understand crisis or traumatic event, a house fire, you don't begin recovering. If my house is on fire, I am not going to begin my recovery until that fire is put out and I have found a place, safe place to live and my kids are, you know, have their clothes. So I think we have to understand that we are not going to begin healing from the trauma of what this is for a while. We're, we're not in the healing stage. We're in the like triage stage still. And it's been long. It's been long for everybody. Um, and what we have to think about is that the people in our communities truly have been traumatized. Um, because what we're, what this last couple of years, and I know tr- sometimes people get uncomfortable with the word trauma and traumatization, um, but the reality, what our brains have perceived, uh, we've been isolated, and there has actually been a threat of a deadly virus that could kill us. Um, and that's introduced anxiety, depression, and fear to healthy people. And then when you think about people who are already living with poor or compromised mental health, it's only amplified the intensity of that. Um, so when we know that we've been traumatized, it's important, I think, or we have a, a really good opportunity right now to think about what does this look like? What does trauma look like? And anyone who's done any reading or, or, or heard podcasts about trauma, there's been a lot about it lately. Um, but we know it's fight, flight, and freeze, right? Those are the three ways that a brain will respond to a traumatic experience or event. Um, fight, we see that in our communities right now. It's posture, it's voice, it's yelling. It's the pictures that we see in the news of protests outside of school board meetings, um, of angry, you know, contorted faces. This is fight. Um, the response, what trauma fight is that the response is often out of proportion to the threat. So there is this sort of like, gosh, this is so angry and so escalated, Um, that's trauma. Uh, Another, you know, we mentioned, or I mentioned flight, that is the people who are disengaged, they kind of disappear. Um, That's if you feel like you can't get on social media that you just have to stay away, that is flight. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's disengaged. It's despair. Maybe it's retreat. It's, you know, wanting to stay in your house and not leave wanting to stay in your bed and not leave. Um, and we see this with our families as well. And then freeze is that feeling of waiting for the next shoe to drop. You're paralyzed. You can't get anything done you can't unload the dishwasher much less go redesign a website um, so freeze is is the the third piece of that so i think we can all think of people in our communities people in our school systems people our coworkers, um our friends our family who represent all three of these uh, you know we can think of examples of of people that we know who are stuck in fight people who we know are stuck in flight um, and people we know who are stuck in freeze and Sean and I have done a lot of uh, reflection about this, and really, what what we believe um, needs to happen is that we need to adopt a trauma informed approach. That this is really going to define the next era of school PR um, is having a trauma informed approach. And the great news is is that schools have been talking about this for a while with students, um, but it's really thinking about it much bigger than that. Um, and you know, a, a trauma informed Approach means first things first, pause when this thing is happening that's out of proportion of it, just does not make sense. Pause and, and get curious. Um, you know, the, the book Crucial Conversations is one that I read years and years ago, and I can still talk about it in, on a regular basis. But one of the um, tricks for a crucial conversation is to ask yourself, why would an otherwise reasonable person be acting unreasonably? And I think that that's really the the core of trauma-informed response. Um, When someone is just acting completely unreasonable, let's number one, assume that they are normally a reasonable person and then ask ourselves not about their behavior, but about the cause of their behavior. What might be going on? And what we know is that a lot of times that goes back to things like fear, loss, distrust. Um, They feel psychologically unsafe. Um, but th- th- it's not that they're a crazy person. It's not that they're out of—they uh, are out of control. They've lost control of the reasonable side of their ability to operate. Trauma informed means that we get there with them and we start to just seek understanding, offer benefit of doubt, um, show patience and grace. Those are—and and that's not easy. And I'm not asking anyone to open themselves up to being wounded by this, you know, if certainly if you've got someone in your office who's waving their arms, you don't need to get closer to them, you need to step back. Um, but but really what we're thinking about is how do we understand our community in a trauma informed way? And these things that are happening that don't make sense and seem completely outrageous, asking ourselves, um, you know, what might be at play here? Um, and, you know, because what we, again, you know, the, the trauma that we've all experienced has not ended. And so... The more that we can focus today on a trauma-informed mindset with our coworkers, with our community, with the parents who are, you know, engaging with us, and frankly with ourselves, um, I think the, the better set, the better approach we will have to coming through this and, and building back trust and consent, uh, you know,
0: engagement. Wonderful guidance. Thank you.
1: And I, I will know that I think What's interesting about our roles as school PR professionals is, like you mentioned, um, that secondhand trauma, but we're also experiencing it ourselves firsthand. So it's almost like we have double the fun, both layers, um, and kind of navigating that, um, wanting to um, help others and cope and deal with their trauma and communicate in ways that addresses that, while also holding space for ourselves to do the same, I think is what has been particularly difficult.
2: Um, well, and what you described, Molly, is something Sean and I have talked about a lot over the years is, um, you know, communicators are shock absorbers. So what you've described is that this trauma is coming across your desk or through your screen or, or whatever it is. And your job is to sort of reduce the trauma for the people that get it next. Um, And shock absorbers in cars, if you are driving over bumpy roads and unfinished curbs, you're going to need to replace your shocks. And I think really school PR professionals in the last, all the time, but especially in the last two years have gone over a lot of potholes and unfinished curbs. And that takes a toll. It takes a real toll on your, your mental health and, and your physical health. So yeah, what you've described is absolutely accurate.
3: And what we're seeing in the in our school districts and in our communications, we're so uh, effectively trying to communicate to everybody in all of our different populations, right? But when we look at the the specific messaging that we're giving to staff, um, as well as to our students, like we really are individualizing the support that is being required at this time. So in, there's nothing that has gone by through my office that hasn't had some reference to some sort of support for mental health and well-being in terms of student support, family support, but also making sure that you have those supports in place in your internal communications and those messages for staff. You know, if you have an employee assistance program, use that. Say that every time. Don't uh, hold back. Be repetitive in that. Make sure that people know that that service is there to help them. If they need community supports, make that known and, and available. And I think that it's important because when you have your communications, the tone of whatever communications you're providing starts to change and it starts to be more empathetic and it starts to offer that um, service to the communities that help is available and that we are here to help you through this challenging time.
1: That kind of leads into what we're gonna talk about next is uh, where are you um, as a Canadian resident, where you are right now, both emotionally, how you're coping and what that looks like for your district and well, your country since yours is different than ours right now.
3: Well, I think at the heart of this, we're all having this human experience and everybody is going through something together. And what is fascinating for me is that connectedness that I have with my colleagues from the United States and uh, of course, the, my, my, my fellow Canadians. Um, we are all experiencing the same uh, experience. Now, different states are different, different provinces are are different, different national policies are different. But, you know, we are going through, uh, we're just finishing our fourth lockdown uh, as a province. Uh, We've been through this for 22 months now. We are heading back as a school district um, from our fourth time of remote learning and we're going back to in-person. And of course, we all know that the Omicron variant is is highly transmissible. And we're seeing that across the districts in the United States as well. So we are entering a different period where, um, you know, we're getting different advice from public health. We're having to change how we used to manage uh, our COVID cases. Uh, We're looking at more school districts uh, with higher absenteeism, staffing shortages uh, and possibly school closures. So that pivoting to remote hasn't gone away. And I know that my colleagues in the States are still experiencing that from community and town uh, to state to state, you know, different approaches, but we're still in this together. And the anxiety is certainly high, you know, like we're all experiencing that great fatigue that's coming out. Uh, And the best thing for us to do is to just keep communicating with each other as a network of school peer professionals, but also when we're looking at that communication to our families, to our own families, to school districts, um, and making sure that that we promote that help is available for everybody.
0: Wonderful thoughts. And uh, on that note, we actually wanna pause for a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna unpack some of the other challenges to school PR that have emerged in conjunction with pandemic response and recovery. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. This episode is brought to you by Thought Exchange. Thought Exchange is the only enterprise discussion management platform powered by patented anti bias technology. Modern leaders use Thought Exchange to quickly gain critical insights and improve decision making for their districts. Whether you're engaging 10 stakeholders or a community of 10,000 plus people, Thought Exchange allows leaders to drive strategic discussions at scale. Since 2009, Thought Exchange has been helping school districts across North America validate and align on top district policies, address student and staff success, and build trust with their communities. Here at NCSPRA, we thank Thought Exchange for their continued support of this podcast and all of their efforts to support school communications throughout North Carolina and beyond.
1: Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. I'm Molly McGowan-Gorsuch with Stacia Harris, and we are joined by Sean McKillop and Kristen Majet. We're talking about K-12 PR Well. Um, One of the things that we've all been noticing in our communities during this time are that there's social issues and a hyper-political atmosphere, which on top of a global pandemic has created quite the situation. Um, Divisions really started to dominate our experiences. Um, What are you seeing in your communities?
3: What we're seeing right now is um, just a very you know, polarizing, divisive experience. Um, What we really are craving right now is that factual information that we're able to communicate with our families. And there are differences of opinions and perspectives and beliefs. But I think that one of the biggest things that we need to do is to focus on how we can help and support our families navigate through all the information that they're being asked to consume right now And if we stay um, in those positions of uh, neutrality and stay in that place of of fact, then we'll be able to communicate effectively our policies uh, and school operations and directions in a much more timely manner uh, and more effective manner. Now, we are often trying to uh, protect ourselves from the noise um, that is that we see through our communications and our goal is to try to clear those channels as effectively as we can so that we can reach our audiences to the best that we can. And so really looking at how we can effectively, uh, you know, remove that noise and, you know, in school PR and school districts, you know, we create our own noise sometimes with all the, the initiatives and the uh, different uh, procedures that we offer. So really trying to, uh, you know, fine tune our communications, really look at how we can manage uh, the amount of communications that are coming at us. And hopefully our families will be able to see that effort and be in our uh, efforts to be transparent, to see that we are communicating those messages uh, for them so that they can help with this time period. So what we have been experiencing over the last several uh, months or the pandemic is that we have been performing our communications program so effectively that we have to ask ourselves, how can school PR be realistic, sustainable, and effective moving forward? You know, we're at this very significant time and we're having these conversations. You know, we've exhibited such high standards of communications for our community, for our districts that how can we now move out of this significant period of time while still sustaining those high standards that we've performed over these several months? You know, how do we go back to our communities with the level of standard without the, the risk factors that we often talk about that jeopardize our well-being? So when we look at when we are delivering our communications, you know, at what toll does that take on school PR professionals Uh, And how are we supposed to navigate as we move into this next time with protecting our own well-being, also delivering those effective standards?
0: Wonderful thoughts and leads perfectly into our next question. Um, Let's look on the horizon. You know, what are we seeing out there? What's, you know, what's coming our way? Um, I think it's so important to, you know, as as school PR practitioners to be able to um, forecast and sort of uh, see, be a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, So from your from y'all's perspective, um, what do what are you guys see in coming our way?
2: Oh, gosh, I, the, it, you know, wouldn't we love to be able to? I don't know that we want to see the future or not. <laughs> Maybe sometimes seeing the future would be a little too much. Um, but a few things, you know, you mentioned the polarization, um that communities are facing and one of the things that has become obvious this was a report a couple of months ago that um data was showing polling was showing across the u.s that public education is going to be a or the top issue um, leading up to our midterm elections what that means is that politic the
0: poll it is a tough word Uh, we we struggle with it it is a
2: tough for the the (laughs) politics of of, um, education is not going away anytime soon Mm -hmm. in the US. Um, We can anticipate activism and the key is how do we anticipate that activism and still engage our community in a productive way. Um, There is a, uh, I believe he's the director of the Kettering Foundation, but David Matthews, he's written several books. One of them that I um, came across this fall it's called with the people and his his uh, it's really how to overcome the divisive topics, issues, whatever is in your community. He wrote this many years ago, so it's not about the pandemic, but it's so um, relevant right now. Um, and his argument is that, you know, the U.S. was built as a government, as we know, of the people, by the people and for the people. And what he argues is that it we need to add another, which is with the people. How do. Um, elected boards govern with their constituents um, and really he goes into this idea of the co-creation of work so it's not about saying we need volunteers to execute this plan it's rather bringing people together to say what you know he uses a great example of um, if if a tree has fallen across the road that leads in and out of town um imagining you know that that's a problem that we that the entire town faces and imagining that you have one of those old-fashioned two-sided saws and you've got people on both sides of the saw you know saw in a way to get this tree cut in half and then you know moving the I think we can all imagine that sort of scenario in a community um where everyone comes together to clean up Storm damage, or, or whatever that is, and thinking about the work that our schools and communities need that isn't related to something in the road, but that is maybe um, less concrete. But looking at how we can really not not you know plan together, work together, and celebrate um, the success together. Um, but of course, this all also will have to come back to um, the trauma informed approach that we were talking about a little bit ago. Um, you know, building trust, coalition, consensus is going to require an understanding that people are in a state of trauma and that that's going to mean more listening, more uh, going more slowly um, as you engage people um, and meeting them where they are. Um, You know, as far as, you know, the challenges that we see on the horizon, certainly what's happening in communities is hard, but then also just mental health the mental health of school PR practitioners. We cannot afford to lose our best to burnout. And uh, you know my own story, and I, I think we've talked about it before um, on the on the last episode. And anyone who's heard me present K twelve PR well has has heard at least a little bit of it. But um, it was unsustainable. My my work in school PR was was unsustainable, and I lost, and my district lost. Um, so how can we? build capacity. How can we help each other? You know, Sean and I can only help so many people. How can Stacia and Molly and Sally Sue and everybody else help the people around them to understand the risk factors to their mental health and also the protective factors, the things that can help reduce the effect of those risks. Um, You know, we talked about shock absorbers, even understanding that, understanding that there's a toll on your brain and body when you are being secondary, you know, when you're taking in trauma and helping to share traumatic information with others, that there's a toll, understanding that, and then having the, the care to rest, go slowly, take something off your plate, whatever it is after. Um, but really, you know, K 12 PRL is ultimately about capacity building um, and about leadership. And, you know, just like school PR pros do every day, I remember going to a, a, a ENSPER seminar probably five years ago, and yeah. oh no, gosh, it was more than that. Uh, 2015, and hearing the first session I'd ever heard about transgender students and the challenges that school districts were going to be facing. And I went back to my district and said, "We need to talk about this. We need to talk about what this looks like in our district. what What our policies need? To, we need to review our policies." you know, what we know is that there is a workforce crisis in that, that has been caused by the pandemic. And so employees of all shapes, sizes, and stripes are struggling with mental health. And so as school PR people, we can have a, and must really, if, you know, we have an opportunity to be a leadership voice in our district, um, to take that back and begin a conversation um, that but what we know too is that um, employee well-being. there's a lot of research that, that bears this out, is really a shared responsibility. Impl- individuals can only do so much, you know, but it is our job to go to bed at a decent time, to eat nutritious foods, to set boundaries is on us. Um, but the organization has a tremendous responsibility for workload and job resources, as well as organizational culture. And employees themselves cannot change those things. That's on the responsibility, You know, that's on the shoulders of, of supervisors and, and organizations. Um, you know, Supervisors have to express appreciation for support. We know that that plays a role in stress management, um, the flexibility of work schedule. And we have to ask ourselves, are we making the job bigger than our boss or our team? Knows, are we doing more? Are we exceeding expectations all the time? Because expectations are what's expected, right? We should save the exceeding expectations for those special moments and those special people who really do need a little magic. Um, You know, oftentimes I don't think our teams or supervisors realize the work that we're doing or the expectations that we're putting on ourselves and so having some conversations to normalize what that should be um what those batteries should be what the expectations for response time might be Mm -hmm. um those are so important and you know i think also we can all we can all attest to the impact that um our supervisors have on us in what they model are they um You know, modeling uh, some sort of work-life harmony. Are they modeling getting to the office at a reasonable time, leaving at a reasonable time, treating themselves with uh, a little bit of grace? Um, That's going to make a big difference, and that's going to ultimately set the norms that the team responds to. Um, But you know, one this has come up in conversation so much in the last six months uh, with Sean and I and with the groups that we've been meeting with. Um, what we know is that real solutions for employee mental health and well-being are going to in, have to involve superintendents, mm-hmm. HR, yep. student services. Uh, it's going to and actually I'm working right now on uh, bringing together a panel, hopefully very soon that will include these people and these different perspectives and points of view and frankly resources and expertise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to discuss this need and how districts are handling it and, and options to, to handle it um, going forward. Um, it really needs to be a sustainable effort as mm-hmm. we proceed through this phase of the pandemic and then you know going forward from there. Uh-
0: Absolutely, Molly and I are sitting here uh, shaking our heads because you know we, we've we have had these conversations with our superintendents, and and I think it's just such a strange time. It's easy to just have your foot on the gas, going ninety miles an hour, just because you know it's a pandemic. And I think what you said that really resonates with me is is you've got to. Um, not only work with your supervisor, but um, work with the people that you supervise and and just make sure we're not just hair on fire twenty four seven because you're exactly right burnout is is real, and we we have to be proactive uh, if we're going to avoid that.
2: Right,
1: well, that- and I think that there is oh sorry. No, You're good. I was going to echo what Stacia was saying. And I think that was was something really valuable that I learned in the last year through conversations with you, Kristen and Stacia, um, about are these expectations set for me or are these things that I have just layered and layered and layered because I want to do my best, which is on one hand, arguably what makes us good at our job. But at the other hand, um, also, if we go too far in the red line, we're going to burn ourselves out. And through those honest conversations, that's where I'm able to see, yes, I'm able to have these high expectations for myself, but my supervisor also wants me to take care of myself so that I'm there and present. Absolutely. with it to handle the pandemic responses. So those those conversations have been really helpful and also to be able to know in my in my role where and when I can say either no or I can do that, it's just gonna take longer than it normally would, or mm-hmm. I can do that, it's just gonna take way longer than it normally
2: mm-hmm. would. Well, and I think what we are looking at as, a, as we continue K-12 Pure Well, Is you know right now we've been very focused on individuals and connecting with individuals, but then looking at if we really want to see change in our districts. It's going to take more than the school PR person understanding boundaries it's going to take structures and systems which really require you know leadership. Uh, A lot of pieces, a lot of leaders working together to say this is a priority for our district. And that's where we begin to see changes with our teaching crew, with our bus drivers, with our cooks, with our I almost said first responders, which they kind of are, but the frontline people who are like right there in the front of the school that are getting everything that walks through the door every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these systems and structures, more than just individual conversations and one-on-one agreement with supervisors, it's gonna require districts to really investigate, explore and, and adopt these um, these broader systems that create expect, you know realistic expectations and supports for when people are struggling.
0: Absolutely. Sean, you had something you wanted to add?
3: Yeah, when we talk about exceeding expectations, I mean, like, we're we're all type A. We're all operating at such a high caliber, and that's our, our own um, expectations for ourselves, too. So I totally uh, feel what we're saying about we want to deliver our best because we won't accept anything else. But at what point does that impact us, right? So as a team, we're all, you know, I have... Uh, a lot of uh, focus around that four-step process. But we we find right now that we're not able to reach that that standard. Um, and we really have to look at, okay, right now, it, we are really knee-deep in tactics. And we do need to think strategically. And when we look at the priorities of what we need to do, we need to keep our eye on that. And we need to re- really focus and finite, uh, or fine-tune our Ability to to say to set priorities uh, for for our district. So what you might have had if you have a strategic communication plan, you know, hopefully you do, and that grounds you in your projects and what you want to move forward on. But you know, if you don't fill everything that you wanted to complete in that, it's okay. Really look at how you can manage your workload, reduce those expectations, and really focus in on what will actually matter and what you will do well in this climate.
1: And Sean, you, you just touched on it a little bit, but um, to kind of wrap us up, what are a few things that we have learned in the last year that we can take with us no matter what we face, pandemic and beyond, um, social issues, both of you, what, what, what you got?
2: Well, you know, one of the things that we try to end or include in every presentation that we do, every conversation is some very, very basic truths Um, and the first is that it is always okay to say, I am not okay. And it doesn't have to come out like that. It can come out a lot of ways, but it is always okay. And that's actually really important to say it. And you can text it to your friend or your spouse or your, you know, colleague, whatever sometimes, and you don't even have to explain, but it's saying, I'm not having a very, I'm, I'm having a hard time right now is the most powerful thing you can do it also creates space for others to do the same um, you know the the next thing is that you are not ever alone never are you alone and i was in a one-person shop for 12 and a half years i understand the feeling of of being the only one um but you are never alone we have co-workers You know, in those 12 and a half years that I was a one person shop, I had people all around me in the office who cared about me, who cared about our district as much as I did, and who cared about, you know, getting good work done. Um, You can always ask for help. Um, That's one of the things I love in my new role is that I'm able to support districts and school PR people when they need to get a project off their plate. (laughs) Um, And there are lots of groups that do that. Um, but you are never alone and you can always ask for help and you should ask for help and it's it it is the way to do the best work for your district Um, and then you know most importantly is that your wellness does matter to your employer your your employee I'm sorry your boss your district needs you to be at your best and that's where your wellness comes in so remembering that your wellness really does matter to your employer and of course it matters to your loved ones and also to yourself
3: i'll also suggest that you know we talk about just understanding our own bodies when we're dealing with such stress uh and uh and that volume uh of, of workload and life that comes to us and the mental health part but also recognizing that your body really is uh, is always talking to you and that we talk about you know like identifying when you have those uh moments or those feelings in your in your body it could be it could be a headache it could be you know a rise if if you imagine yourself having um, a a thermometer a stress thermometer built inside of you you know like when you feel that mercury rising in you what symptoms are you experiencing from your body and those are cues to tell Mm -hmm. you to do something to have some sort of an intervention about it so when you feel that stress in your in your chest or your column like i do you know that's time to to maybe stop, to go get some water, go for a walk, you know, what uh, will help uh, so that it doesn't continue to rise. And the awareness of all of those symptoms are so important because at the end of the day, we want to be the best professionals, but we also want to be the best people and the best people for our families and for our loved ones. And if we're going and not being our best for, for them and for what matters, then, you know, we really reflect on what is all this about and how can we really focus on, you know, our priorities and we have to be at our best for other people to be at their best as well.
2: There's there's one thing that we haven't addressed and I just want to leave both of you uh, with this is that, um, you know, as we move forward, I think remembering that well-being is very complex and that there are communities of color, there are LGBTQ communities where um, not, every, not everyone's wellness journey is the same and not every person's wellness journey is, is easy. Um, and so keeping that in mind when you're supporting your friends and colleagues, and also when you're thinking about um, supporting your community, that there are different experiences of well-being and that we always have, in spite of those different experiences, we always what we have is the ability to connect and to show person-to-person care, and that—that that is how I believe our communities will heal—is through reaching out in very simple, very basic ways um, to stay connected, and and you know, in spite of the challenges that different communities have, um, I think that connection is is really where that healing will
0: happen. And that is a wonderful and positive place to uh, wrap up our conversation. Sean McKillop, Kristen Majet, thank you guys so much for being with us today and helping us explore this concept of K-12 PR well. Um, just great, great conversation. Thanks for your time, guys.
3: Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Well, Molly, that was a great conversation with Sean and Kristen. Uh, I find they're both so knowledgeable, and I think the the way they they conduct their research and they just reflect on these topics, and then they're able to deliver just just some wonderful um, advice and guidance for not just school PR practitioners, but really uh, anyone kind of dealing with a a stressful um, workplace or or stressful uh, personal situation. So um, I'm glad we could uh, share that conversation with everyone.
1: Absolutely. I always have a bunch of takeaways and I would recommend that anyone going to INSPRA this year, be sure to check anything that they present because it always is top notch quality and um, also provides a good opportunity for you to actually explore these conversations and your thoughts and yourself. Um, If you want to join the conversation online, you can always follow the hashtag K12PRWell on Twitter. Um, and if you can follow us, our school PR drive time is also on social media. If you have a topic you want us to explore on the podcast, email us at ncsprasocial at gmail.com. That's ncsprasocial at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on social media.
0: All right. Thank you, Molly, for joining me today. Had a great conversation.
1: Thanks. Thanks.